Mm, that is the sound of Julia and I sitting in the turquoise warm water of a tiny white sandy bay on Chumbi Island, just off the coast of the East African island of Zanzibar. Welcome to Inspiring African Travel, everyone, and that's where we're going to be taking you this episode. A little island we love and have traveled to twice already, and we're certainly going to go back there many, many times. And we hear of, of gems in the travel industry so much, but this, this island truly is. For what you get in terms of the tiny tropical island experience, it really is extremely good value. And not only that, but Chumbi Island has turned a pretty battered and neglected island into a totally pristine marine environment over the last 30 years. Now, if you're listening to this in sequence, uh, our previous episode on Kilimanjaro, well, Zanzibar is actually quite a popular choice for those who've just been trekking Kilimanjaro. Somewhere you can just go and wind down afterwards and we can't think of a better place than Chumbi Island to spend two or three days just totally disconnecting after your Kilimanjaro trek. So enjoy this episode and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and all the other social platforms where you'll find pictures and video clips from this episode and every other episode as well. As much as we really try to bring this island to life through the podcast, you've really just got to see how incredibly picturesque Chumbi Island actually is. And as it's not just about inspiring African travel, we actually recorded this episode from the French side of the Pyrenees Mountains. If it's not somewhere in Africa, then the south of France is a place we really love going. Anyway, back to Africa, and here is Julia, right on the southern tip of Chumbi Island. Take it away, Jules. Okay, now shout, welcome to Chumbi Island. Here I am with Jules. Um, can't can't keep Jules away from an episode of East Africa, especially our favourite island in the world. Possibly. For sure, for sure. Um, so we're in France. I mean, excuse the odd um, background noise. We don't, we can't predict what will happen. You might hear a a man on a bicycle with a beret on and a baguette going past. It's possible in which case it's all part of the experience. But I'm sitting here with a, a 1664, which is my favorite French beer. But the problem is ordering it is a challenge because um, I like to try and sample my French and Julia keeps getting uh, chuckling every time because they give they rattle off a lost list of the beers. And uh, um, 1664 is a bit of a, <laughs> a mouthful in French. Uh, shall I give it a go? Mm, I don't think uh, so. Seize <laughs> soixante quatre. I got it now, but when I'm under pressure and I want a beer, and uh, I just go, uh, the uh, première, uh, <laughs> l'autre, l'autre, ah! <laughs> anyway, and you've got a Perrier, which is much more abstemious. Well done. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful out here, with like rolling hills and wide horizons. 
wrapped in vineyards and sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nice. Cheese. So, oh, yeah, the, the food in, in this part of the world is outstanding. Right, so as we mentioned, in this episode, we're going to uncover a little gem of a tropical island um, just off the coast of Zanzibar. So obviously, when you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, isn't Zanzibar an island off the coast of East Africa? Well, yes, it is. But actually, Zanzibar is, um, and Jules, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, a, it's the archipelago of islands. Correct. Correct, yeah. right. Okay, of which... The main one that everyone goes to, which is Stone Town, is on, is called Nguja. Nguja. Okay, great. Anyway, who doesn't love the idea of staying on a tiny little tropical island? And um, we instantly fell in love with Chumbi, and we've been there twice since, and we're definitely gonna go back. So we're gonna recount our visits that we've had there, um, explain to you a little bit about how you get there, what to do, what makes it special, um, and hopefully generally just inspire you to visit this place in your, yourself. Jules, on the basis that everyone knows where Zanzibar is, just go into a little bit more about how you get there. You, it would take you about an hour or an hour and a half on a small boat, depending on the weather or tides. And uh, Chumbe can organize your pickups either from Stone Town Airport or from the ferry, or you can meet them at the pickup point. I think you need to get, be ready to get wet from the moment you get on the boat because you need to walk a little bit depending on the tide uh, to the boat itself. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. No, but it's all part of the experience. Once you see that island come closer, it is spectacular because you see that lush greenness um, pop up on the top of the island. You'll see the white sandy beaches and you start to see that you know, that vivid, um, iridescent blue colour, isn't it? Yeah. As you see those corals come through. Absolutely gorgeous. And the island itself, how big is it? It's quite tiny. It's less than a kilometre long and about 300 metres wide at its widest point. So, very intimate. And room-wise? Room I mean, it's obviously not got space for a lot of rooms on there. I think that's the beauty, yeah. you know, that... Um, you feel like you have the island to yourself, then it's about, there's seven eco bungalows, so very intimate, 14 people at your most. It's worth mentioning that they do accept day visitors onto the island, but never more than what the island can cater for. So they'll only accept day visitors if the rooms are not fully occupied. So preference is always given, right? Yeah, that's correct, because what they would also do is give, provide, if for day visitors, they would provide a bungalow for, for them to be able to freshen up after their swims and stuff. So, yes. Yeah, either way, the island's going to be super quiet and exclusive. That's for sure. So, yeah, we mentioned that we've been there before. We, we only managed to stay there for one night when we first went. Um, we were a bit pushed for time and itinerary. Next visit... We, we stayed two nights, yeah. so um, are we going to do three or four nights next time we go? Yeah, three, maybe even four. Yeah. Look, for sure. I mean, we, we definitely are major proponents of slowing things down. So we obviously appreciate that not everybody has a huge amount of time. Um, on our trip here in Europe at the moment, we're, every place we're spending minimum of four nights, yeah. which is so nice because it allows you that day 
or two, <laughs> as it sometimes is, to completely relax, like just literally walk around and take in a place. And I think so many people envisage being on a tropical island and just being able to sit there and on a hammock and watch the waves lap and sip a beer. But of course, if you're there for one night or even two nights, you know, you've got things to do and um, you've got to make the most of your time. So allowing that relaxation time, I think, is why we love it. And apart from the fact that it's a pristine tropical island, I think the best way to describe it is it's properly down to earth. Okay, so um, Chumbi is one of many properties that you can stay at around the world. I mean, let's let's take this beyond Africa, okay, where you uh, have this opportunity to stay on a tropical island. And um, I think unpretentious is the best word to, to describe the experience there. As we said with the transfer, it's not it's not luxurious, but the staff are super super friendly, and they're all locals, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the food is outstanding, like tasting the best of what the local food has to offer. And your chef will be standing there, literally on the beach, cooking a swordfish steak or whatever yeah. the catch of the day is from the area. And the rooms are basic, but they are all made from local materials. You honestly feel like the place has been put together almost in a Robinson Crusoe style. It feels like you're lost on an island and you've got all the minimal basics around you. And, and that is what we love. That, that for us just appealed to us instantly, didn't it? Yes, for sure. Yeah. And the people, really, I think that's what makes that place special. Mm. You can all the staff are amazing. You can feel it. When, yeah. when you start to chat to there, everybody is like, so-and-so has been there for five years, 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Does that and as, as you also mentioned, it's, it's, the food is local and it just tastes amazing. You know? You're not looking for any a la carte or plated food with designs on it or anything. Mm. Yeah. I loved all the teas. Like at any point in the day, you can go and they've got flasks of teas. Yeah. From mint to chamomile to um, they also cinnamon. Had, yeah, but they also, remember, they also had very um, like local teas. So your ginger and your cardamom, mm -hmm. and, which is really nice, which is different from, from chamomile. And, tea is good to have in a hot tropical environment, right? Why? What do they say in Swahili? There we go. I don't, is... think, I don't think there's a good enough translation in English. Or Say it, say it direct translation. The literal direct translation would be medicine for hot weather is having something hot. Yep. And it works. Because the minute, minute you feel like, oh, it's too hot, I can't have a hot tea. Yeah. Actually refreshes you, cools you down. Yeah. James, I know we talked, like we've mentioned a few times already, that it's quite basic um, in terms of your accommodation on, on the island. Can you talk us through it? Yeah. Um, it's obviously not for everybody, right? Mm. Um, there, there are no flushing. <laughs> What's so funny about flushing toilets? It just sounds ridiculous to say it. Well, there are, because um, it seems like one of those phrases, you've got a flushing toilet and there's nothing more than you need. And yet, yeah. and yet here we are saying there's no flushing toilets. 
<laughs> but anyway, there's no flushing toilets. They use um they use a compost toilet system, which is actually really cool. If you go onto their website, you can see the engineering that goes behind these um, behind or below <laughs> these toilets. It really is pro properly getting back to island basics. So after you've done your business, you scoop out some fresh sand which they've collected and you chuck it down the long drop and um, through an air vent and a, and a process of circulation and decomposition it ends up being pristine fertilizer because of the constant breeze and the way they've positioned not just the toilets but actually the rooms themselves it's there's no smell in your room whatsoever and actually what's ingenious how they've invented the rooms is that they've put huge roofs up in place so that it catches the sea breeze. You've got a beautiful natural ventilation keeping you cool in the rooms. But, you know, the beds, the rooms creak in the wind and you can hear the bamboo and the reeds like crickling along and the beds, you know, the mattresses are not perfect in terms of like five-star mattresses, yeah. but you will get a good night's sleep because you're just in this amazing environment. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's, there's nothing more beautiful than getting the sea breeze um, as you just sleep instead of, of a boring aircon. Let's go into the actual makeup of the island itself. What, what makes, why do you love this island so much? I mean, what, what is most beautiful about Chumbe Island? The reefs around Chumbe are one of the most impressive coral gardens off the coast of Africa. You know, it contains around 400 species of fish and about 200 species of hard coral. Which so in that tiny space is just amazing. It, it, is, it is truly amazing. And the fact that, as we mentioned, it's a small island. It only takes up to 14 guests a day maximum with a few added on day visitors. They, they, they're quite pristine. And, you know, I can actually say it's probably the, if not, the best place to snorkel on the archipelago of um, Zanzibar because we have another island called Mnemba Island. And um, although that's where the main snorkeling and diving happens, um, there are quite a lot of people going there. So this, this is just really nice because few people, and well-kept corals. Hmm. So Mimba is the place, well, the property is run by and beyond, right? Yeah, so, yes, Mnemba's run, the, on the Mnemba island is the and beyond property, but the reefs belong to, to anyone. It's, oh, okay. it's, a, it's a protected marine, um, and that's where most people or most guests go for their snorkeling and diving. So probably another thing about Chumbe is you cannot, you can only snorkel there. You can't dive because they want to protect the mm. corals there, um, which is really amazing. You see everything, honestly, just as you would be diving mm, on amazing. the shallow. Yeah. So, and no one, can, no one else can go there because it's a protected area run by the Chumbe project. Exactly. So it's very limited to just Chumbe. Being a protected area, that's why they've created this sort of pristine eco lodge, you know, because the tourism is effectively funding that conservation project around there. So um, the reason why there's a compost toilet and no electricity, it's all solar, 
There's no water, everything is rainwater. The reason why all of that happens is obviously not because it's such a wonderful thing to do in terms of you know, eco-tourism, eco but because it's a prime conservation area, right? Yes, yeah. So we've, we've spoken about why we love Chumbe so much. Um, maybe let's go back and talk about the history of the island and how it all came about and why it is what it is today. Well, we've chatted to lots of people um, from our visits there. Um, we've done a bit of research because we're highly professional um, podcasters. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, it's always been uninhabited. Um, no humans have settled on the island. There was uh, quite um, a, a bit of military presence on the island. They used to come and do shifts there. Um, but in the late 1990s, um, the reserve was approved um, as a private project, basically, to uh, provide a conservation and a marine um, reserve um, and, to, and to construct seven you know, bungalows and create a tourism project which was going to fund this conservation project. So um, a German lady is involved with it and uh, it still is yeah. to this day. And uh, wow, she's really given back, I have to say. Um, just going through, if you just click onto the, the Chumbi Island website, you will see years and years and years of fantastic, not just conservation work, but empowering um, local communities to train them and get everybody involved in the, in the importance of conservation. And I think uh, what is most important in what they're doing is educating the locals um, to preserve these pristine environments. And it was so good when we were there and having chats to, to them and seeing them understanding now why is it important. You know, they go back into the village, talk to their family and kids, and I think that's how we spread the word. Yep. Yeah. And it's worth noting as well, it wasn't necessarily um, pristine when they got there. Uh, the island itself obviously uninhabited, but the, the area around it had been heavily fished. And a lot of the corals, there was the crown of thorns, there were other invasive species. And so they spent the first few years effectively rewilding it, but getting rid of all those invasive species, helping some of the struggling corals to create what, what is now, you know, a total sanctuary. It's unbelievable. Okay, so like we, we're by no means marine biologists or anything. So... Um, you know, we, we spend our times, most of our time snorkeling there going, wow, look at all the pretty fish. <laughs> it's beautiful. We saw dolphins off the coast. I see recently on the Instagram, they saw humpback whales. Those who are more into it will, will find that um, they will just be absolutely in awe of what's going on there. That area, um, I believe, hosts around 90% of East Africa's hard coral species. Okay, that is phenomenal. In that tiny little area, just yeah. around Chumbe, um, to, to have that plethora of species growing uh, in an air is phenomenal. So I think you said, how many? 200 species of, of coral. Of, of coral, yeah. Okay, and fish-wise, about 420-odd species of fish, as well as the um, critically endangered hawksbill turtle, which is... Um, uh, and the endangered green turtle, I think. So good chance of seeing them. Yeah. And, and we all know, I don't think you have to be a marine biologist to know how critical um, the situation of turtles is in around the world. So 
uh, incredible. Um, but it's not just marine um, wildlife that's going on there. There is um, a small little antelope, doka, dika, um, depending where you're from or how you pronounce it, Ada's doka, which is definitely one of the most critically endangered dikas around. Um, I think mostly in Zanzibar on the, on the island there, they've been wiped out. Yeah. So there are very, very few left in the world. And of course, they're, they're thriving on that little island. But unfortunately, it's only so many. Um, you can have over there <laughs> yeah. on, on a one kilometer island. Yes. Yeah. But the coconut crab, <laughs> how yeah. cool are they? No, they're amazing. They are. Although I usually don't like creepy crawlies. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really nice to watch and but these crabs are so big you can't really call them creepy and crawly (laughs) they are massive that is true (laughs) they are very cool okay so it's actually a nocturnal crab and when we say big we mean big okay and again this chumbi island is is one of the um the best places in the world to see coconut crabs they're the largest crab in the world and if you want to really be technical about it the um the largest anthropod but i think anthropod covers just about every creepy crawly there is in the world but they're they're huge and just as they get come up tonight you start to hear this little like crunch 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 clack 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 and it pierces the night and they um yeah they eat coconuts and then um they use the shell as their little hermit crab um protection so you just see these (laughs) half-eaten coconuts (laughs) Wandering around, and then when they get so big, their 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 outer shell is so strong they ditch the coconut and they just cruise around like bosses. Yeah. Um, little disconcerting. I mean, they do look a little alien-like, but they keep themselves to themselves, don't they? They, they do. They don't. They do. um, you know, you just you definitely need to walk around with a torch. Yes. I mean, to be honest, they they are fine as long as you don't step on them. You know, if you walk around them, they they are harmless. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've been wiped out because they are super easy to get up to and, and they have very tasty meat. So um, you won't get to taste that meat because they're, they're critically endangered. And of course, that's why they've been wiped out like they have. Let's hope that um, this is not going to be the last we see of these huge, massive crabs because they are pretty spectacular. And, and again, another testament to this wonderful island. Oh, by the way, if you're a fan of Red-eyed doves. Remember all the doves? Yeah. It's just like, where did all these doves come from? So loads of doves will actually come from Tanzania mainland and fly all the way across the sea and and roost there and nest there. Um, So if you love red-eyed doves, I mean, it's not a huge popular bird amongst the bird enthusiasts, but there are thousands of them on the island. That is true. To to see what Chumbe are doing for the local community, just... You need to just jump on their Instagram or their website um, because every week they're doing something different. I think that's what they none of they're not trying to to do things to catch marketing headlines or anything like that. Chumbe conducts several initiatives, and um, one of them is to teach local women how to swim, which is a great initiative because if you've been to Zanzibar, you would have seen. Uh, women on in the sea at low tide harvesting seaweed and it's it's great one if they know how to swim just in, so that they can take 
they'll just be more comfortable when, when in water. And also they've done a few litter cleaning projects, teaching them the importance of keeping the island clean and, and what are the effects if, if they don't. And I think this is really important because they are the main people who live around, around there if they see what the effects are to the environment, it changes their mindset. Mm. And every time the island has not got guests, they've got school kids and other locals out there um, teaching them, taking them snorkeling, understanding the reef it is phenomenal. And obviously, if you haven't listened back to our episode of um, guides, guide stories, we've got that amazing episode with, um, Frank? with Frank, yeah. which, um, who's also doing wonderful work in Zanzibar, training locals how to dive. But uh, this definitely won't be our last episode on, on the Zanzibar area, but you've got to have local um, buy-in and local help and local community support. And um, Chumbi Island are, are doing fantastic work. So, um, okay, Jules, now you said, we said earlier we could potentially do three or four nights on this island. Most people are only going to do one or two nights, but what are you going to do? What's the general itinerary for someone staying on the island? For a small island, there's quite a lot you can keep yourself busy with. I mean, the main one is snorkeling. Snorkeling is a must-do. Once a day, you'd be taken by boat to the edge of the coral reef um, where you'll get breathtaking sights, you know, just swimming along there. You can also, like, James, when we were there, James did a couple of extra snorkels and he just swam from the island into the reef. So that's, if you, are, uh, if you love to swim, then you can spend hours and hours there. Mm. Just um, let someone know, I think, when you're on, in the, someone in the main area or the restaurant, um, that you're going to go out? No, for sure. For sure. Yes, for sure. Someone must know just in, in case of anything. The coconut crab walk. So in the evenings, just after dinner, you can have a chance to walk in the coral rag forests and encounter these giant coconut crabs. Yeah, they, I mean, are, they are everywhere, but it's well worth going with the guide. Yeah. So that you can learn yes. a lot about this creature. Yes, for sure. And, and yes, they're everywhere. But I think it's quite nice to go into the forest mm. um, and just see them. Again, I mean, it's an island, so you can do a lot of relaxing. There's, there are like pockets of secluded beach huts, sun lounges, swinging beds, all for you to enjoy and relax at your leisure as well. Mm-hmm. Of which we did quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of swimming and relaxing, yes. James, you enjoyed the forest walk, didn't you, when we went? And we also tried to go around the island, do you remember? Yeah, so I mean, the, the one last official activity, I guess, is the forest walk um, that usually takes place in the afternoon. And uh, again, you've got to do it because um, even though there's marked pathways and stuff that you could go on your own, um, it's wonderful with the guides because you get a lot more of the history and the, and the understanding of how that ecosystem works. And uh, I've looked very, very hard for the, uh, the Ada's doka, but uh, um, to no avail. They're very, They're very shy. Very they? shy and mm. they're tucked away. And that forest is 
thick, um, like hell. But uh, a lot of um, really interesting that when you go on that forest walk, I also they talk about the island itself, you know. So how do they survive without groundwater? What are some of the medicinal uses of the local trees and shrubs? There's one massive baobab tree um, tucked away on the island. Um, it's great, and there's a lot, a lot to see. And then, of course, there's the lighthouse. I mean, that is fun, you know, because you get that vantage point of being high up, yeah, um, and climbing up, climbing up the um, the the lighthouse, which is still in use. Um, it's an old lighthouse, but still still use used. And uh, yeah, get your steps in. That'll that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, when you get up there, it's so beautiful, huh? Yeah, it's worth mentioning that you need to have some level of fitness to be able to get up. They're about 132 steps up to the peak of the... About? Well, they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, nice one. Those are the official activities and things that you can do. But, you know, by staying two or three nights, you know, you can have that day where you can just get up, have breakfast, snorkel, come back, have a sleep, and just enjoy like we said right at the beginning just to lie on a hammock and listen to the waves lapping or go somewhere on your own i think one of my highlights was when you and i went off and we walked almost around the island didn't we the tides didn't allow us quite to do that yeah um but we just went off on our own and don't forget there's going to be loads of our pictures we'll put them up on instagram and on the website and everything but uh, you'll see some of the pictures from our visits but it's um gorgeous to say the very very least and uh and if you're going to do a short stay you're just not going to get that time to go shit i am on a tropical island i remember just walking along and we came across the sandbank and it was it just looked amazing yeah it went on for mm-hmm. ages we yeah. just walked along this sandbank felt like we were walking on the ocean eh? yeah so yeah cool. it was very cool yeah and sitting in a in the water for a couple of hours with lots of sun cream on and a Kilimanjaro beer. Yes. That I enjoy. It's worth mentioning um you know cost-wise. Not not only is it an authentic down-to-earth tropical island experience, but I think it's affordable and I know it's all um relative, relative to yeah. everything, but to to have this which is an all-inclusive basis, it's about $280 per person this year 2022 yeah. to stay on Chumbi and that includes the boat transfer across from the mainland and, and not to mention all the activities that we talked about so it is really good value for money and honestly where where do you go and spend $280 per person on a private island well we know member and beyond properties close on well, it must be over $800 per person right yeah, must be. Mm. Not not sure on the twenty twenty two rates, but but, I mean, but above, yeah. And and um, as we already mentioned, you know, you don't have that extreme privacy of the of the reef itself on Member. There's lots of other places. I mean, there's uh, come some of the places come to mind. We don't we don't know exactly the operations and the rates, but there's Tanda Island, there's Fanjove Island, but I don't think there's anything quite as affordable. It is close to the to the main, you know, um, Zanzibar island. So you're not going to get the ultimate remoteness. You still see the, the lights and the ferry 
goes past a Dar es Salaam. But um, hey, you know, it is still pristine. And when you're there at night overlooking the ocean in your little bungalow, you couldn't ask for more, really, could you? No, not at all. And, and what is also important to mention is that by staying at Chumbe Island, you're helping fund the marine reserve. Mm. So you're, all, you're also having, I mean, while you're having a good time, you're also doing good. So in keeping with everything we are here, trying to do it, inspiring African travel, yeah. is unearth these kind of products and experiences which are not only amazing and enjoyable, you're giving you're back. Giving back, you're effectively operating in a, in a conservation and community project, which, which is like this. So I think we've covered it. I hope, I hope you guys are as excited about this place as what we are. I mean, I'm as excited about it as I was before we went there for the first time. I just, I just want to go back. Yeah, and I think we will always go back if we're in that part of the world. I mean, no question about that. Well, hopefully soon. Hopefully. Cool. Thanks, Jules. Rocked it. Did it. <laughs>so there it is and once again thank you chumbe island and well done for everything you've done over the years we can't wait to come back as always their website and social links are in the show notes and on our website also a big shout out to all of our friends and new inspiring african travel followers who've sent us messages of appreciation for our podcast it really does make our day you know when there are lots of messages out there from people who are getting good tips and just really enjoying our little trips down traveling in Africa memory lane. So thanks to everyone who's been sending us messages of late. If you know someone that's planning on coming to East Africa soon and might not know about Chumbi Island, then please do share this podcast with them or anyone really who might find it useful. Be sure to catch us next time where we'll be taking you to all of our favorite places in our favorite province of South Africa, which is KwaZulu-Natal. And now to play you out for this episode, I've gathered some of the sound clips from our time on Chumbi. So if you want to close your eyes for about a minute and transport yourself to this tiny tropical island, then now's the time. Um, unless, of course, you're driving, then please do, please do not close your eyes. And yes, for the keen birders, that bird you can hear in the background coming up is the mangrove kingfisher. Anyway, enjoy this, everybody. Cheers. Thanks a lot for listening. And here it is. And chillax. <laughs> <laughs>